everybody. This is Jennifer Strickland. I am your host to the I Am A Woman podcast, and I'm super excited to uh, be back with you this week. I wanted to say a quick thank you to all of you for your incredible reviews, for your support, for your prayers, your notes of encouragement, your comments on the YouTube channel. That is just awesome. That helped me helps me so much, and I love getting feedback from you. So if there's anything that you want to comment on or let me a question you have that you want me to address on the podcast, please email me at support at youarmore.org. Org, And that email is in the show notes. So I would love to hear from you. I want to hear your stories and I want to get your questions. So thank you guys so much. I would not be doing this without you. So I appreciate you. It's all about you guys and how we as women use our voices right now at this time in history. So last week we talked about gender and what the Bible says about it and just barely touched the surface of the topic by talking about God's name being both masculine and feminine and how we're created in his image, male and female. And that is a good thing. That is a blessing. That is not a curse. No one's born on the wrong body. We're not buying into that that uh, mantra. And today I want to talk about the sort of mantras of the gender identity ideology movement. And I want to give us some language that we can talk about it that is helpful. Okay, and I'm hoping this is helpful to you in in your conversations and just even in your thinking about what is happening right now in America and around the world when it comes to language. I mentioned last week that we have been warned not to use the word mankind. Okay, that should be a red flag. That should be a red flag because number one, we have free speech in America. If we want to use the word mankind, we can use the word mankind. Okay. That is actually how communist China brainwashed people. And I am not just bringing that out of left field. Okay. I have a very unique experience that I bring to the table as, um, as a teacher, as an author, as a speaker, and just as a woman, that I had the experience of studying mind control, gosh, over 20 years ago, but I've been studying a lot more in the last in the last year, in which I studied Lifton's criteria for mind control and thought reform as used in China. Uh, Lifton has, I believe it's eight criteria for mind control and thought reform uh, that that was used in China, but is used generally in any kind of cult or any kind of organization that wants to control their people. There are very uh, specific sort of ingredients to mind control. And so I, I have some mind control experts in my in my life because I actually experienced uh, a Christian cult at a period of time after I left the modeling industry. I was in a mind control group and I didn't know it because it was the first church that I had ever been involved in. That's kind of beside the point, but I just want to, to say that because I spent three and a half years in a group that used mind control tactics. It was a Christian group, but, you know, they weren't really following the ways of Christ, okay? Uh, But they were using the name of Christ, and so I was very easily deceived. 
Right now, we want to be careful that we test everything and we hold on to the good, okay? That's somewhere from Thessalonians. But it tells us, the Bible tells us we're to test everything, that we are not to take everything as fact-based truth. For example, with the changing of the words man and woman, male and female in the dictionary, and the online dictionaries, just because they do that doesn't mean it's true. Okay, just because Wikipedia updates the definition of what it is to be a woman really doesn't mean it's true. We know that the only truth is going to be the Word of God. The Bible says, like, everything else is going to pass away, but the Word will stand firm forever, forever. So when we're talking about gender identity, I want to make sure that we understand the concept of loaded language. So my title for today is gender is the gender identity lesson, pronouns and verbs. There's my English teacher coming out again regarding the pronouns and the verbs. But this is an important concept for parents to understand the difference between pronouns and verbs. Okay, and this is a conversation to be having with young people, particularly people who are on Instagram, because all of a sudden, one day we woke up and if you started an Instagram page, you had to fill in your pronouns. They don't ask you to fill in your verbs. They don't ask you to say, I'm a writer, I'm a mother, I'm a speaker, I'm the founder of a nonprofit. No, they're not asking. They're not asking what you do. They're asking you for the most insignificant article in the English language, which is, well, the most significant part, insignificant part of speech in the English language are articles like a, the, they don't mean anything, right? In and of themselves. Articles, they're just kind of like when you diagram a sentence, and I used to be an English teacher, so I know this, is that when you diagram a sentence, you underline the subject and you circle the verb. Why? Why does your eighth grade grammar teacher make you do that? Well, because the power is in the verb. The power, that's why we circle the verb when we diagram. Why do we do that? Because the power is in the verb. The action is in the verb. She ran across the street. The power, or Julia ran across the street, right? The power is in Julia, and the power is in ran, okay? Across the street is a prepositional phrase, but the point is, Julia's running. Julia's running. So in an English class, we would say, we'd underline Julia, we would circle ran or running, because that is the action, that is the power of the sentence. So... Why has Instagram and why has this movement got an entire generation of kids focused on pronouns? Because pronouns next to articles have no meaning in and of themselves. They actually are meaningless. Now, I am going to be the first to admit that somebody with gender dysphoria, which is a very serious condition in which a person feels uncomfortable in their body, they feel uncomfortable in their gender, and they're really struggling. They're really struggling, okay? That that is really important to include in this conversation, that actually hearing pronouns that are not aligned with the way they feel can trigger them and can make them feel uncomfortable. And so we do need to pay attention to how people feel, but we also need to be, we also need to tell the truth. And as an English teacher, I'm telling you the truth. The pronouns don't have any power. 
Pronouns don't have power. What has power is the verb, is the action. For example, if I was going to tell you about my best friend, Megan, I would tell you that she's faithful, that she's loving, that she's steadfast, that she perseveres. She would never give up on me. Um, gosh, what else? She's prayerful. She intercedes for me. She prays with me and for my family. Uh, she's funny. Uh, she's really humorous. She loves my kids. Like I would literally tell you all of her adjectives and all of her verbs. <laughs> I would describe her by saying like, she's fashionable, she's funny, she's faithful. But would I say to you, she is heterosexual, cisgender, she, her? No, I would not say that. Because that doesn't tell you anything about who she is as a person. So, you know, I would say, call out the verbs in your kids, no matter where they land in this whole movement. You know, I remember my daughter when she was young that... It would be tempting to always comment on her outfit because she's very stylish and she always looked cute and she paid very, very, even when she was super little, she paid very close attention to what she wore. Okay. So uh, she's so funny. Oh, we always laughed that she never wore a short sleeve shirt to her friend's house after her friend, when she was like a toddler, bit her arm. <laughs> she would wear a long sleeve every time she would go to her friend's house because she was afraid she was going to get bit. That's just an aside, but we could never convince her even in the heat of summer to take off that long shirt. We were always, she loves stretch pants and long shirts. She loved dresses. She loves dress up. She loved all that stuff. It was always so tempting to focus on Kate, the, you're wearing a long sleeve shirt in the summer, like like the outside. Or, oh my gosh, you look so cute in that dress. Or, oh my gosh, oh, she's so darling. Oh, she's so cute. Oh, she's so beautiful. Oh, look at those shoes. Oh, look at that outfit. Look at her hair. Or look at her feather boa or whatever she's playing with. Other. Look at her dress up outfit. I was always very careful to not focus on things that are going to, that really in the end can be meaningless. Even though it was an aspect of her personality, it was her verbs that I really focused on. It was her adjectives that I focused on. I wanted her to be loyal. I didn't just want her to be cute. I didn't want her just to be well-dressed. I wanted her to be loyal and faithful and to understand she was valuable, that she was precious, that she was kind, that she was giving. Even when she was not giving, I would tell her she was giving. Right. And and when I did actually make the mistake of agreeing with the the negative about her that she was selfish or something, and call her that, that was always a mistake. That was always a mistake. God never does that with us. When we're afraid, he calls us fearless. Right? When Gideon is hiding in the shadows and he's afraid, what does he call Gideon? A weakling, less than a man? Uh, cisgender, uh, she, they, even though he's a man because he's acting like a woman, <laughs> scared, hiding from the enemy. No, no. God called Gideon a mighty man of valor. 
a mighty man. He spoke his manhood into him. He spoke his strength into him, even when he was scared. So when you see these kids that, even if they're behaving badly, they're leaning toward the negative adjectives, let's say they're being selfish, call them giving. <laughs> Tell If they're scared, say you're fearless, you're resilient, you're strong. God does not focus. First of all, there's no power in pronouns. All of our powers are in our adjectives and verbs. And that does not even have to do with God. That has nothing to do with religion. Although, if you look into the Word, you will see what God does to help someone rise to their identity, to help someone understand uh, who they are created to be, even though they might feel weak, even though they might feel less than a man, even though they might feel like a woman, God does not base our identity on our feelings and certainly not our pronouns or or our sexual persuasion. He bases our identity on our our strength, our gifts, our talents. I'm a writer. That's I. Writers write. I'm a football player. F- football players play football. It doesn't matter if they're she, he, they. That is meaningless. It is meaningless. What is meaningful is your child's verbs, is the way they treat people, the way they show gratitude, the way they thank people, the way that they honor people, the way that they humble themselves, the way that they apologize the way that they make people feel. We, we all know, no one remembers what you said. They, they remember how you made them feel. And so how are you making people feel? That's what matters. How am I making people feel? I need to pay attention to that. I need to really pay attention to that. And I need to be aware of that because that's my legacy. And when I make people feel bad, I have to change that. I have to pay attention because it is my verbs that it is the way that I make people feel that they're going to remember. It is not my sexual persuasion, and it is not my pronouns. That is not our legacy. That's no one's legacy. And so getting kids all confused in this is, is, is an issue. Okay, l- l- let, me, let me explain how loaded language works. And let me show you some examples in the culture. I'm going to start with an article here. I've mentioned this article before. I keep going back to it because it's just fascinating. It's in Women's Health Magazine. Okay. The name of the article is, here's your comprehensive gender gender identity list as defined by psychologists and sex experts. Okay. So PhD, whatever people have reviewed this list. Okay, so the experts tell us, here's our list of gender identities. Number one, it starts with anatomical sex, which is people are assigned female at birth, assigned male at birth. Gone are the days where you're born a boy or a girl, apparently, according to these experts, okay? Now, when my husband was born, Back then, they didn't even have men in the in the rooms. They didn't even, they literally had a blue light or a pink light in the waiting room and either the blue light went on or the pink light went on and Shane's dad said, hot damn, I got a son. The blue light went on, he said, I got a boy, I got a son. It was that simple. 
Okay. Today you have this concept that you either assigned the doctors assigned you, they took, they looked at you and they took a wild guess as to your gender. Okay. By looking at your body parts, assigned female at birth, assigned male at birth. That's, they're calling it anatomical sex. Number two, another gender identity is cisgender. Suddenly we're not heterosexual anymore. We are, we have a gender identity. I'm a woman and I'm a wife. I'm married. I'm heterosexual. I'm attracted to men. Therefore, I'm cisgender, according to this teaching. Uh, I personally reject that label. I am not cisgender. I am a woman. I'm a wife and I'm a mother. That's who I am. And you're not going to assign that name to me. But this is the name that they're wanting to assign other people and begin to talk about other people in terms uh, that is sort of their, their secret language in which they refer to other people. Three is transgender. Okay, so those people, they have a gender identity that doesn't match the sex assigned at birth. So these are these are these new definitions. If you keep going, the next one, number four, is probably a word that you've never heard of. But apparently, sex experts tell us that you could be cis-shet. Cis-shet refers to people whose gender identity and biological sex are aligned and who are sexually attracted to the opposite sex. Okay, that would be me. Apparently, I'm cis-shet, according to this list. Or there's non-binary. There's intersex. There's genderqueer. There's gender fluid. Gender fluid means that just like you can be fluid in your sexual orientation or who you're attracted to, you, you can also be flexible with your gender. Gender fluid typically refers to someone who prefers to express either both maleness or femaleness, and that can vary perhaps from day to day. So from day to day, you could be male, you could be female, maybe you're gender fluid, maybe you're moving back and forth. Gender nonconforming is number nine. Gender expansive is another one. Uh, so we went from calling people gender nonconforming to gender expansive. In other words, a gender expansive people prefer to be called this. They're saying it's it's insulting to call them gender nonconforming. So now they want to be called gender expansive, which means that they have creativity and freedom to not fit into the societal norm. You can have creativity and freedom to not fit into the societal norm and still be a man or a woman. <laughs> Okay, then there's agender, there's gender void, there's bigender, there's omnigender, there's pansgender, and then there's this concept of two-spirit. Okay, let me, let me explain to you what loaded language is. Okay, loaded language is one of Lipton's criteria for mind control. Okay, and I'm going to be taking these one at a time because I want to make sure that everybody understands what it is. Loaded language, and here's a direct definition, okay, of what loaded language is. New words and language are created to explain the new and profound meanings that have been discovered. Existing words are also hijacked and given new and different meaning, okay? Using loaded language, loading the language, is one of the eight criteria for mind control and thought reform in any society, okay? Regular words that used to mean something are now loaded with all this new meaning, and then new terms are created, okay? Now, listen to this. 
This is particularly effective to the way we think a lot through language. The consequence of this is that the person who controls the meaning of the word also controls how people think. In this way, black and white thinking is embedded in the language such that wrongdoers are framed as terrible and evil, whilst those who do right, as defined by the group, are perfect and marvelous. So, what is loaded language? You give old words new meaning, and you create new words with new meaning, and people who do not agree with those terms are labeled as evil and bad. They are the enemy. Cisgender people are bad. Cisgender people who don't use our pronouns, oh, they're bad. Okay? That is how loaded language works. That's how mind control works. That's how thought reform works. And it is one of the ways that communist China brainwashed its people. And I don't think a lot of people even know that. Certainly the average high school kid doesn't know that. So when they're being presented these new terms in school or on the internet, do these kids even know what is happening? That they're loading the language and they're punishing people who don't use this language. I am one of those people. I don't use this language. Now, if you want me to call you something out of respect, I'm going to call you something out of respect. I'm going to honor the environment, whatever environment that I'm in. But I refuse to align myself with the concept cisgender. I'm not cisgender or whatever that's called. Strange name. Um, I'm not cisgender. I'm not. I'm a woman. And if you really want to be clear about it, I guess you would say I'm a heterosexual woman. But what does that mean? I'm a wife. I'm a wife. I'm a devoted wife. Okay? And I, I'm, I'm thoughtfully caring about the generation of kids that are receiving this information without any knowledge of how thought reform mind control works. This is one of the main tenets. Um, it's the language of non-thought, I'm going to give you these, like this article in Women's Health, I'm going to present these to you, and you're not supposed to question it. You're not supposed to think about it. That's the refusal of the of the group that is creating this language to say that suddenly it doesn't exist, that kids can be pangender, omnigender, bigender, gender void, gender nonconforming. Okay, listen to the list of healthline.com. Okay, let me just point out, these are health magazines. These are health magazines. Okay, I, I, I've been seeing the lies in the magazines for a really long time. I'm not going to stop doing that now. I'm not going to stop because that is confusing. Why don't they focus on their gifts and talents? Why don't they focus on their adjectives? Why don't they focus on their verbs? Why don't they focus on the things that describe them in the the way that they make people feel? Why don't they focus on what they do with their life? We are created in his image to do good works. What someone does with their life is where the power is. So when people take these terms and marry them with the concept of identity is where I divorce myself from that. that. Because if your identity is always changing, it's going to be so unstable. But if your identity is firm, if it is based upon the rock, if it is based upon 
well, who God is and who He says you are. Who does God say you are? He says, you're my beloved. You're my precious creation. He says, your body is holy. You're a temple. You're a light. You're an ambassador. You're a witness. You're gifted. You're talented. You're a light to this world. How are you going to go shine that light is basically the question of the Bible. You are a light. What are you going to do to be a light? Right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. How are you going to tell the truth? How are you going to love people? You're loved. Now go be loving. What does the Bible say? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So I just want to say, and and I want to try to say it and, and, and be it in the most loving way possible. But this is a lie. This is a lie that we are to identify our children in this very confusing and ever-changing list of vocabulary terms. Really quick, and I'll link to these in the comments because I I want you guys to see these articles. I want you, if you care about what propaganda is being put out there for the next generation of kids, what menu of identities is being put out there, you won't believe this this healthline.com article 47 terms. This reminds me of, of how to identify yourself sexually. 47 terms. It reminds me of the way that the um, magazines used to say, 100 things you can get to be beautiful. 57 things you have to have for your wardrobe. Now it's 47 terms to describe your sexuality. Nothing has really changed. They're just promoting the same confusion and overwhelm to young women that they always have. Whether it's 57 things you must have for your wardrobe, 102 things that you can do to be more radiant or more beautiful, or 10 tips to make your life more simple. And it's never 10 tips. It's usually 100 tips to make your life more simple. Those are some of the older lines from the magazines. Now it's 67 terms that you can use to describe your sexuality. Are you ready? Here we go. Allosexual, allosexism, androsexual, asexual, aromatic, autosexual, autoromatic. Let's see how fast I can get through the alphabet. Bicurious, bisexual, biromantic, closeted, coming out, cupiosexual, demisexual, demiromantic, fluid, gay, gray sexual, gray romantic, Gene sexual, heterosexual, homosexual, lesbian, LGBTQIA+, libidoist, asexual, now we're to the M's, monosexual, non-libidoist, asexual, I'm sorry, this is so painful to listen to, omnisexual, pansexual, panromantic, polysexual, homosexual, passing, we're to the Q's, queer, questioning, romantic attraction, romantic orientation, sapiosexual, sexual attraction, sex averse, sex favorable, sex indifferent, sexual orientation, sex repulsed, scoliosexual, spectrosexual, straight. Oh my goodness. Oh, straight. I guess that's the end of the alphabet. Is that really the end? Because you'd think that you would have more. No, that's it. 67 things. 67 ways to create a sexual identity. And what 
the group, what the loaded language of the group does is, and, and recently I received an article from the Biden administration, okay, because I want to be honest about where the source was, from the Biden administration that basically said, if you do not confirm and appreciate, align with, and affirm, right, in other words, say, yes, you're right, that's who you are, to people who believe this, then you should be removed from their lives. You should be removed. Okay? Okay. That is called loading the language. It actually hits three of Lipton's criteria for thought reform and mind control. But I only want to focus on one at a time. The key to loading of the language says the meaning of the words are kept hidden from the outside world, then giving a sense of exclusivity. We are us, they are them. We believe this, they are cisgender people who don't understand it, right? There's this, this is what the group believes, this is what people outside the group believes, and those who do not use the words according to their new definitions are punished, right? Those that do not use those words are punished, okay? How was it that Jordan Peterson finally started speaking about the cult of gender ideology is because in Canada, they made it illegal to not use people's correct pronouns that were actually incorrect and so confusing people didn't even know how to use the language. So suddenly, new words are given new meaning. Suddenly, old words, or excuse me, suddenly old words are given new meaning, that's called loading the language, and then all these new terms are created. Has any of you, I mean, my mom taught sex education, she didn't use maybe one or two of these 47 terms, okay? So these are new terms. These are brand new language that has been created by, that has been created by this community. And I'm not judging people in the community. I love people in the community. I will always love people in that community. I'm not changing my love because the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This has nothing to do with love. Love is love. That's a separate thing. But loaded language is loaded language. And love does tell the truth. Love does tell the truth. And so I want to warn you guys is that when you're having these conversations with your kids, if you're interested in truth, their sexual persuasion is not their identity. Okay, it, it, let, me, let me close with this. And neither is their gender expression. That's not their identity. That's not, that's not who they are. If something is always changing, it's not your identity. Okay, let me let me give you an example. Well, I, I've learned that. I'll just say this really quick. I learned that when I was in the modeling industry. Whether I was skinny or size six or size four was not my identity. On my modeling card, it said I was, but that's not who I was, right? My identity is not something that is always changing. My identity is secure. I am the beloved daughter of the king. I am a creation of God. I am his light to this world. I am his chosen ambassador, his witness to his work in my life. 
That's who I am. I am a mother. I am a wife. I am a sister. I am a friend. Let me close with an example. And I didn't even, I didn't write this out. I'm just saying this off the fly. If I ever had to speak at the cowboy's funeral, everybody knows I call my husband the cowboy. If I or if I ever had to speak about the cowboy, we won't make it a funeral because I don't want to think about that. We'll say if I ever wanted to talk to a friend and describe my husband, I would say he is so giving and forgiving that he is generous, he's faithful, he's, his ability, he is so resilient. I would use that adjective to describe him. He's so resilient. He perseveres. He stays when things are hard. He, he's a fighter. And he's, he's a lover and a fighter. <laughs> I would probably say he's passionate. He's purposeful. He's devoted to me. And to our family, like beyond to the nth degree, he's affectionate, he's caring, he has equipped me to do this podcast and to do this ministry. That's who he is. Would I ever say he was a a, a cisgender cisjet? He he him? No, I wouldn't say that. I would say he's loyal, he's faithful, he's strong, he's smart, he's like-minded, he's devoted to the Lord, he's open to God's change in his life, and he's loyal and faithful to me. I could go on and on. How would you describe your best friend? What words would you use? Do not give in to the loaded language of this movement, whether you're in it or not. Your adjectives, <laughs> the way that people describe you, the way that you make them feel, your verbs, what you do with your life is what matters. That's what matters. Thank you for putting up with my gender identity lesson on pronouns and verbs today. <laughs> I hope this was valuable, and I hope that there is more teachers out there, more pastors, more youth leaders, more people, more parents, more young people who begin talking about the parts of speech that matter most in our lives. I'm a woman, and my name means life. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you haven't done a review yet, please leave a review on the podcast. It really helps us get the word out. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. 